I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's get ready to rumble! He's the fastest man on the planet. He did go up there, Rabbits. What about Andrew King? Put him in the second! Hello one, hello all. These Monday episodes are slowly becoming one of my favourite because we are joined by Joe from the Park Footy Pod. We're here to discuss basically all the fallout from the round gone by in much more detail than what I cover on a Sunday night. Uh, we'll go over the talking points from the NRL. We'll go over the talking points from the Supercoach world itself uh, and break those down game by game. But as I said, we're joined by Joe from the Park Footy Pod. Hello, Joe. Hey, mate. How you going? Uh, after seeing the rank this week, mate, not... Not good. Uh, not captaining these guys are going huge. Obviously, costing me a heap. Uh, posted on Facebook as a bit of a joke that we are we're, we're going to abandon the overall uh, ship and, and head more to the head-to-head standings. And I think you're in a similar standpoint to me after starting the year off so hot. Oh mate, I, I think I, I got fourteen eighty-six this week, and I still went down one hundred and forty-seven ranks. It is very tough out there this year. We'll touch on the supercoach scoring uh, later on, but it's becoming. Uh, I wouldn't say so much of a joke because obviously the players are putting up scores and the rule changes are definitely helping. But the fact that we've broken the super coach scoring record three weeks in a row uh, is obviously showing where the game is heading. And uh, we look back on years gone by. I found an old screenshot of uh, some scores I put up. I remember in round 16 of 2019, uh, 2019 was my best year. I, I finished 59th um, and I found a screenshot of round uh, 16, which was midway through the origin period. I scored... Uh, I think I scored 986 and that was a top 1% score. If you scored 986 now, uh, you definitely would be being laughed at all out of the building, but it just shows you where Supercoach is going and we have to adjust with these new rules, mate. But we'll kick things off the Cowboys and the Knights from an NRL standpoint, mate, the Knights without Ponga and Pierce, they're, they're dead set rubbish. And I think the disrespect on Mitchell Pierce, we say it week in, week out, it's real, isn't it? Oh, mate, the Knights are in shambles. Like, I definitely think it has to do with the fact that KP and uh, Pierce are out. But I just think maybe the culture there is just, it, it looks how it, how we sort of expected in preseason. Everything that was coming out of the club in preseason was not looking good at all. And Newcastle are performing that way. They were fucking awful. The next standpoint we've got is Adam O'Brien, obviously the head coach. Is he getting too fancy with his rotations? Now, we, we know that Connor Watson is probably one of the best footballers in their side. Uh, and we know how well fits um, Frizzell and Barnett worked together as a tandem in the back row. And Lachlan Fitzgibbon, we know that this was going to come in and, and throw us better in the works, but I don't think anyone predicted quite as badly as what it was. Do you think Ricky, uh, not Ricky Stewart, he reminds me of Ricky Stewart. Adam O'Brien, do you think he's falling down this Ricky Stewart mold of, of being too fancy with his interchanges and not playing his best team week in, week out? Yeah, the interchanges have been pretty rough, haven't they? Connor Watson, like you said, he's one of the best football players on that side. I think you need him out there for 80 minutes. Uh, he just goes out there and tries his guts out, and he's skilled as well. So I think he needs to be out there for 80 minutes. Same goes with Barnett. Uh, I think the team looks much better when Barnett is on the field. Uh, but I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the uh, the major sponsor's uh, CEO, his son, happens to be in that lineup. Uh, so, yeah, look. I, it's a bit, of a, I, I just, a bit of a tinfoil hat theory there, but I don't I don't mind it. 
Well, mate, how else do you, you sort of explain that? Like, I think Barnett started off the season as one of the best second rollers in the game. Connor Watson just proved week in, week out. And then as soon as Fitzgibbon comes back, he's straight into the starting lineup. The whole forward pack has just been rearranged. It just, it doesn't make any sense. It's not even a super coach thing though, is it, mate? Like people, people are going to complain because it does affect super coach and fantasy. And, and I get that. But even from an NRL standpoint, uh, it's pretty clear that they play the best footy with those guys on the field. And what, what what do we think of the tenure of Adam O'Brien? Do we think that he is playing with a roster that probably isn't what he wants it to be? Or do you think that he is his own worst enemy? I think he's he's his worst enemy, but I also think that he's had a pretty rough run there with everything that has happened. Obviously, obviously everything in the uh, the preseason and then all the injuries that he's had this season has just been a nightmare. Um, I I've kind of feel sorry for him. And oh, poor old Anthony Seabold's gone over there to Newcastle to try to uh, revive his career as an assistant coach and things have just gone even worse for him. Poor bloke. Everything he touches turns to shit. At least, uh, at least Adam O'Brien now has a, a figure to place the blame on, mate. From a super coach standpoint, Valentine Holmes, uh, pumped out at 138 on the weekend. Is he becoming a genuine super coach gun in the, in the center wings? Obviously, probably not going to play him at fullback, but dual position, putting him in the in the second in the center wings. Uh, if he's going to pump out scores like this, mate, definitely a lot of upside to having Val on your team for the run home. Oh, for sure. And we've touched on that the last couple of weeks as well, that uh, he just keeps keeps on looking more and more impressive. Uh, obviously, Origin coming up, that's sort of one thing that would deter you from picking him up. But I think towards the back end of the year, he's almost a must. Uh, he's just performing so well, isn't he? Now, another must-have in years gone by, and, and we've just written on here for the run sheet, RIP Jason Tamo's Supercoach career. A uh, 42 for him this week after a great score last week. Uh, I don't feel sorry for the guys that jumped way too early on him. And I think this was always the reality. I think you and I talked about this, that this could definitely come back into his game without a try. And uh, it's exactly what happened. Tambolo just not being what he was. And I don't think it's anything to do with the way he's playing. I think it's the way he's being used, being more more... Ball playing through the middle, I want to say, and it's got the Cowboys the result this week, but it's really hurting his um, his super coach stock and to the point where I don't want to touch him at all. Right. He's just the kind of player that just give him the ball and tell him to run a straight line. Like, bloke is like 130 kilos of pure muscle. Like, don't worry about him being a ball player or anything like that. Just get him charging onto the ball. And uh, I think you could probably still keep an eye on him th- uh, throughout the rest of the season, depending on where his cash uh, ends up falling off. But, you know, even next year, his cash is going to be way, way lower than what it was at the starting point this year. So, um, yeah, the next couple of years, is, it's going to be really interesting for Tamalalu and how he goes with all the rule changes. Now we talk about frustrating players. We move on to frustrating teams. As a Tigers fan myself, the Warriors defeating us 30 to 26. The Tigers should have won this game, mate. They had a plethora of, of chances. The Warriors had players in the bin and the Tigers didn't capitalize, opting to take the penalty goals rather than uh, attacking the jugular. Uh, as, a, as a neutral, mate, I'm sure it was a pretty dull watch for you considering how many chances the Tigers had to win this game. Yeah, it wasn't a fantastic watch, that's for sure. I think uh, so, a man that we're going to touch on next uh, probably made the game more interesting than what it really was. But uh, poor old Tigers, they just seem to have one foot uh, one foot forward and then two foot backwards. It's just, it's not it's not looking real good for the Tigers this year. And I do like some of their young players that are coming through. Dane Laurie goes out there and busts his ass every week. Um, I think Moses and Byers actually look pretty good in 5-8 as well. I'm going to be interested to see if he gets named there again this week uh, after losing to the Warriors or Dewey goes back into that 5-8 position. I'd also like to see Jock Madden get a bit more of a chance as well. Yeah, I think it'd be a bit of a backward step to to move Dewey back to 5-8 considering how well Moses and Byers has played in, in the two-week spell and uh, Luke Brooks has been a big beneficiary of that. He's played some good footy this year too. I think a lot of people are putting uh, too much criticism on him. I think he's played some of the best footy of his career. 
uh, make some poor choices in the final third for kicking, but that can definitely be helped with a, with a decent half mentor. Mate, you touched on one man that made this game more interesting. Uh, Reese Walsh, no surprises here. He, he steals the headlines, but for his super coach stocks, mate, he's only available at fullback. We know how key that position is. Uh, it, it's tough with, with Walsh. Like, do we, do we pull the trigger on him being so cheap? But that means you've got to give up one of these other guns. And you look at how well someone like a turbo played and Teddy coming back to form and Pappenhausen coming back into form and Gutho putting up 80s every week. Like, what do we do with Walsh? Yeah, I wouldn't be touching him with the fullback only position. Um, I think we just sort of wait all year. We just let him lube us up all year. And then next year, if he gets a dual position in the center wing or the uh, or into 5'8 or something, we can sort of look to bring him into the side. I think this year is just a, a watch and sort of uh, marvel over him. You're probably going to find that he's going to have a few big scores and going to be sitting there feeling awfully cucked that you followed uh, my opinion on the bloke. But I just think that this year with fullback only, I just wouldn't touch him. Now, uh, the coach came out and said that he wasn't sure as to how best to use Walsh, whether it brings him off the interchange to, to liven the game up or start him. Opted this week to start him and moving uh, their captain to the to the wing. Look, I don't like RTS on the wing. I think he's wasted out there. I'd much prefer him to be sort of around the middle. But if this is the way to get Walsh in from a Warriors standpoint, it's probably the way to move forward, isn't it? And mentor Walsh while you've still got RTS in, at the club. It's pretty fun, though, watching him on the wing in terms of him getting those passes from Reese Walsh or uh, from Harris DeVito or you know anybody that's getting that ball out to Roger and getting him good early ball and just seeing him just do his own thing. Um, I'm also liking watching him on the kick returns, too. Obviously, his footwork is just electric, uh, electric, but it does feel like a bit of a waste having him out there on the wing. Um, yeah, Warriors are in a really weird position. They obviously know he's not going to be there next year, and Reese Walsh needs to be somewhere on, in that starting 13. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a head-scratcher for old Nathan Brown, but... What, what do you do about that? I mean, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a Warriors fan and happen to sit there and watch RTS's final year on the wing. One thing that was on the run sheet, but just brought to my attention, the late change to bring Simkin into the into the 17 caused a bit of an AE nightmare, probably made looping even more harder. But I don't understand what's what's going on with this rotation. If you're going to play little, I'd be playing him the the full game. I don't understand. Like even at the beginning of the year when they when they started off with little and, and Simkin was in reserve grade, they had him by coming on for half the game. And it just feels like Madges is playing with his rotation a little bit too much too. The Tigers have a, a pretty decent side. And if they can stick to their best 17, so beat it. If that means Simpkin has to drop out of the side altogether, uh, then then that's fine moving forward. Mate, another game that was not interesting whatsoever, the Sharks-Dragons. I've just simply put here that the Dragons should have won that, especially after the Andrew McCulloch-Charles Janning Golden Point. Look, I didn't see this game. I was at walk, uh, work, thankfully. I, I went up to the, the lunchroom and uh, saw, saw the end of the game. And I, um, I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was not very sad about going to work at all. I'd much rather be making money than pissing away money on the punt and watching this absolute pathetic game. But uh, look, just two teams that are really struggling, two teams that are in a bit of a rebuilding phase and sort of trying to work out what their next step is. Um, yeah, look, not, not a whole lot to touch on, on this one at all I'm in my, on my part. 13 12, mate. There isn't too much to talk about. Corey Norman had two pretty good looks at field goal, uh, then got in good field position. And, and then Marine Horotti broke through, ran about 50 meters to put uh, put the Sharks in great field position. And Chad Townsend, 20 meters out with all the time in the world, isn't going to miss a field goal to win the game. But the only really super coach standpoint to talk about here, mate, Will Kennedy, I think he's in the same boat as Reese Walsh, unfortunately. One of these guys that's just lighting it up, but in a position that is so stacked, we probably can't go near him. The other talking point, mate, Ben Hunt. Uh, we know Sam Walker is probably his, his time's up in a lot of super coach teams that didn't get rid of him this week. We'll touch on him uh, coming up. But if we're looking for a replacement half, there's probably two that, that come to mind. Uh, one man from the Panthers that we'll touch on over origin period, but also Ben Hunt could be a pretty sneaky option to look at. Aside that only scored 12 points, uh, Hunt put up 58. Doesn't goal kick, but 
Uh, we know how good he was at the start of the year. Is there genuine is there genuine merit to pick up Hunt if he isn't picked for Queensland at four hundred and sixty k? Oh, for sure. If he's not picked up, uh, picked for Origin, like I, I don't think he will be picked for Origin, but. You know, and there's always that risk that he might be picked. Um, I think he brings a bit of stability to that bench for Queensland. But uh, if he's not picked, I think over the origin period, for sure, he's definitely a good pickup. Sammy Walker, you touched on there. I think he's uh, his time's come. He's sort of banged up a little bit at the moment. The whole Roosters team's banged up. And if the Roosters aren't firing, uh, Sammy Walker's just, his score is just around Charlie Staines levels when he's not scoring tries. So uh, I think you've got to get Sammy Walker out. It's just a matter of, as to who you're going to bring in. A 50-point game in the Gold Coast, but it wasn't really a 50-point entertaining game. The Titans defeating the Bulldogs 30-20. to The Titans, mate, they should have won this one by a country mile, but some ill-discipline, some poor kicking choices uh, in the halves there. Saw the Bulldogs come back into it. I don't think the Bulldogs ever had a chance here, but the Titans, they're in another weird position as well. They're sort of on the fringe of being good, but not... We've said they're a quality number nine away. Uh, like, look, they've, yeah, as, as I said, they, they won by 30, but with poor kicking... Uh, but the, I, I guess the big thing here is how better the, the Bulldogs have played uh, with with the absence of Kyle Flanagan. Where to for Flano? It looks like Barrett's pretty happy to run uh, Avarillo and Brendan Wakeham in the halves. So that might see their their, their star recruit uh, sit in the, on the pine or play some reserve grade for a couple of weeks. And we saw this happen last year at, at the Roosters. And uh, I, I worry that it could happen again at the, at the Bulldogs with Burton coming in the door next year as well. I've heard a lot of things about Kyle Flanagan and things that aren't, uh, I guess, sort of floating around in the media or anything like that. That might be just to be, uh, protect him. But yeah, look, there's, it's it's a bit worrying for a player who has so much promise and keeps bouncing from club to club. And for him not to be able to get a crack at the Bulldogs when they're so bad and they're so poor and uh, everything's been invested in him. He's been given the keys for the first, what, 10 rounds and then they took him off him and gave it to somebody else and that team's performing better. Um, yeah, I... I can't really see his, his future there at the Bulldogs. There's a lot of rumors going around that he's sniffing around uh, to sort of head back towards the Sharks. Um, I, I'm not even quite sure I like that for the Sharks at this point. Uh, he sort of reminds me of Jackson Hastings a bit, doesn't he? He's come through the juniors uh, with a lot of hype around him. A lot of Big players. Big name as well. For sure. And telling him his shit doesn't stink and he starts to believe it and becomes a bit of a prick and, yeah, look, I, I mean, I don't know him personally, so I shouldn't be, I shouldn't really be saying that kind of stuff. But from everything I've heard, it sort of seems that way. And it sort of seems that he gets under a few of his teammates' uh, skin. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. And uh, you touched on Jake Avarillo and Brendan Wakeham. They've both been performing really well. I really like uh, Brendan Wakeham in 5'8". I think that he uh, really steadies the ship. And while I don't think Jake Avarillo is a pure halfback, I think having those two together uh, is probably better than having uh, Kyle Flanagan and one of, one of the two at this point. They definitely complement each other well. Both of them aren't overly dominating halves. That They play a split side, a sort of a split structure where both of them will just sort of drift on, on the left and right. Whereas Flanagan was sort of getting a little bit muddled up by, by switching between both sides. There's not many players in the comp that, that can really do that. Adam Reynolds, uh, Nathan clearly both come to mind that, that are good enough to play on both sides. But I think there's still a lot of development to come for Flanagan. And I was very high on him for Supercoach at the start of the year, but that's tailed off and a guy that started off slow, but has now given been given the keys in Jake Avarillo. He played well for a 56. Brandon Wakeham, I, I love the, watching this kid play footy. He got a 65. Uh, Luke Thompson. Um, a lot of people are going to say he's a, he's a season-long keeper. I have a little bit of reservations over that. We're still missing Josh Jackson. That's going to chuck a little bit of spanner in the works. I do want to see what happens with Barrett's rotation when he is full strength. Um, so that's probably the only reservation I have on Luke Thompson, but he's killing it as well. Uh, and for the Titans, uh, Tino Fasul Malawi finally did something, uh, bagged a try, which is, I think, what people have been expecting. He was moved back to 13. 
not sure what's going to happen when Peachy comes back. I still think Tina will move into the front row with probably uh, Mo Fodawaka, who had a great game on the weekend too, bagged a couple of uh, good attacking stats there from him. But yeah, I think this game should have been put to bed long before than what it was. And I think the scoreline flatters the Bulldogs a little bit more than, than potentially what it should be. Uh, mate, the Roosters and the Broncos, probably the biggest upset of the round. From the NRL standpoint, TPJ made Walker look like he was about 12. It was uh, it was really boys against men out there, and it's a very, very tough defensive matchup for young Sam Walker to be uh, up against TPJ when he's in uh, a bit of a mood, isn't it? Bro, t- uh, Walker looks like he's 12 regardless, and then when you've got somebody like TPJ running over the top of him and smashing him all night, yeah, he... Poor old Sammy Walker, already injured and just having that nutcase just at you all night. Uh, there was a, I think TPJ, TPJ made a run and he uh, fended off Walker and he went about three metres backwards. And then after that, Victor Adley, uh, they were right on right on the Roosters' trial line as well. And Victor Adley ended up putting a shot on TPJ and got sinbin for it. And I actually really liked it from Victor Adley, to be honest. Like, you're right on your trial line, you're, you know, 18-year-old or 12-year-old halfback has just been absolutely demolished by this bloke. Um yeah, I, I felt for Radley this game, and I think I felt for Radley more so because I brought him into my fucking team last week. Jesus Christ. Minus 20 in Simbin points, mate. That's uh, that's not a great day at the office. I was expecting... I, I didn't know the rules. For some reason, I had in my head that the NRL was like soccer, that if you get Simbin once or if you get given a yellow card once and it happens again, you're gone. So to see Radley get Simbin twice but not sent off was, um, was something that I wasn't aware of. Oh, mate, I was livid. I was not happy at all. Again, I saw probably about 60 minutes of this game and then I had to head off to work as well. So uh, I was sitting there checking the, checking the stats and listening to the radio and I just heard him get sent off again. For, uh, sorry, Sinbin again for a second time. And fuck, I was livid. Because it's not only the, the 20 points that you lose from that. It's also the penalties that you uh, concede. It's also the 20 minutes that he's actually off the field that you're not going to be uh, getting points for. And uh, when you look at his score, I know he didn't score well, but if you had have added all those points plus an extra 20 minutes, he probably would have actually done fairly well. Um, but yeah, pretty pretty disappointing to say the least. Right. I'm not too sure how many chuckles this might get from listeners, but there's going to be a little bit of a hole uh, in the back row for New South Wales. Are we crazy to, to chuck TP's na- TPJ's name into the ring? Oh, mate, there's that many players out. Like we could, Radley's not going to be there. Crichton's not going to be there. Cam Murray might not be there. Um, that means that, that that means our favourite boy Jakey Turbs uh, might uh, Jakey Trevojevic might just uh, get a jumper based off that no one else is there. Oh, I hope not. Well, I fucking hope not. I hope Isaiah Yo gets a thirteen. I hope Cam Murray's back um, and you can chuck him into the second row and then from there. I, look, TPJ, I wouldn't be against it. It's just the fact that the dude's a fucking nutcase and like being a big New South Wales fan, there is nothing more that I would hate than to get to about 60 minutes into a game and him get simbend or sent off and having to play the rest of the game against the Queensland side, which I think now, especially that our forwards are all absolute toast. Uh, I think that Queensland are probably going to be the favorites heading into this game. Uh, surely not. Surely not. But on, on, on the, the opposite side of the spectrum, you say TBJ's nutcase, that could work in the other favor. Like at the 60 minute mark, he could just flip a switch and just absolutely tear people apart and, and, and break the game open. That's the kind of player that he is. But I definitely can see the merit to, to him having his name put in the conversation. I don't think you'll get picked, but uh, they could be, they could be a, a way to it. Mate, Sam Walker, what do we do with him moving forward? Yeah, get rid of him. I got rid of him last week for uh, Hughes and obviously Hughes pulled out about, what a day before the game, which was very, very, very sad. And I was sitting there looking at Sam Walker thinking he versus the Broncos, he's probably going to put on about 400 points. Uh, but luckily for me, he didn't. He had that massive break even and he's dropped a fair bit of cash. Uh, I think, to be honest with Sam Walker, I think you're probably going to find he'll get a week or two off uh, shortly just because he is really banged up. The Roosters are just, they're in big trouble at the moment. By, by all accounts, you just look at them and they just look like they know. 
like last year when uh, Victor Adley went down and Sam Verrills went down with those ACL injuries, you could see the change in the Roosters. And it sort of seems like the same thing sort of happening now with all the injuries and suspensions that they've had. Um, I do think, however, that Sam Walker towards the back end of the year, uh, if he does come back into this team uh, and he does lose a bit of cash, I think you could possibly bring him in towards the back end again, um, just depending on their matchups and everything. But if he drops cash again, I, I definitely think I'll be looking at him towards the back end of the season. Mate, you mentioned Sam Verrills. I think a lot of people are undervaluing him as well. That retina injury is setting him back even longer on the sideline. And I think he's pretty crucial to this team with no Jake Friend. They, they need some creativity. And, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Ben Marsh here. I've, I've said that multiple times. But yeah, I think I think Sam Verrills is uh, grossly underappreciated. Mate, Tedesco had 75 at halftime. I had the captaincy on him. A lot of people did this week and it looked like it was going to be in for a huge game for Teddy, but uh, they fell off. Uh, Albert Kelly, 304K. Dual position, 5'8", halfback. Definitely worth a look for, for Albert Kelly if we're going to trade out Sam Walker. But I think that the talking, the unfortunate thing here is the Broncos played sensationally, and we're not going to talk about that, are we? That people are going to talk about the Victor Adley sin biddings. And I think Cabby Walters and the Broncos just aren't given the credit they deserve for, for a really great game against a, a top quality side in the Roosters. The Raiders and the Storm, mate, this was a game where I thought the Raiders were not specials, but I, I saw them at, uh, at $4 head-to-head and definitely liked that, that price. From a standpoint, though, they still suck. Uh, they're just they're, they're struggling. What's the go with them in the top eight? Like, is that them done for the year? We got the news that Charles Nickel Cookstar is coming back at round twenty-four at an absolute absolute minimum. So that's that's a big spanner in the works. Caleb Akins has been solid, but he doesn't provide that spark that CNK does. So yeah, I think the Raiders mate, they they are in in trouble, and I'm not even too sure if we'll be seeing them play footy in September. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Oh, definitely. And that, that's the thing. I think the only thing that saves the Raiders is the fact that the bottom half of the eight, so probably the last two positions, is fairly weak. Uh, and we know that the Raiders can get hot pretty quickly. Uh, I think the fact that players like Jack White and uh, Georgie Williams, they're just they're not playing to their absolute potential at the moment. I think Williams has been pretty decent this year, but uh, rumours have it that he wants to go back over to the UK. He's not very happy. White and hasn't looked real good this year at all. Their forward pack has been moved around more than the Tigers' halves uh, last year. Uh, yeah, there's just, there's not very many good signs coming out of the Raiders, and I think if they keep struggling, that you, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ricky Stewart on that hot seat towards the end of the year if they just keep stinking it up and they are cancelled out of the uh, out of the eight contention. Now, I'm looking at the ladder now. There's probably six teams that are locked in for finals footy. We've got the Panthers, who we we're saying that they're they're a lock for finals footy. The Storm, who I'd say are a guarantee to final footy. The Eels are guarantees. I think the Rabbitohs are guarantees for a top eight spot. The Roosters are probably guaranteed a top eight spot. The Seagulls, I'd be very, very shocked if they weren't. Then the seventh and eighth, mate, we're going to fight that out between, I'd say, the Dragons, the Titans, the Warriors, the Cowboys, the Raiders, and maybe the Sharks if they can find some form uh, with when SJ comes back. So the Raiders have got a couple of uh, a couple of decent teams there to contend with. And if they don't pull their finger out, they could find themselves well off the boil. Uh, through 11 games, they have four. Uh, they have eight points. So they've won, four ga- they've won two ga- uh, four games uh, after 11. Uh, yeah, but they're behind... 
They're behind the Cowboys, the Warriors, the Titans, and the Dragons on 10 points. And, and like I said, the Sharks are on six. But if they can pull their finger out and get SJ firing back, it could be a very, very difficult task for uh, the Raiders to, to find themselves playing some finals footy. And, and who would have thought, mate, I had them as a top four side this year. But uh, injuries and, and disruption. And I think the departure of John Bateman uh, definitely is going under, under notice as well. Like He was such a solid focal point um, for that side of the field that, him, him departing is definitely leaving a big gaping hole for the Raiders to to fill in. Like they've got some gun forwards, but um, Corey Hadawira, Naira, Hudson Young, Ryan Sutton, the likes, Corey Horsburgh, they're just not at the quality that Bateman was. And yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I think Ricky Stewart could definitely find himself uh, under the hot seat at the end of the year if results don't pick up. For the Storm, mate, Nico Hines made me look like an absolute dickhead. I said that he would have a quiet game this week. I thought the Raiders would, would be up for it, but he's a gun. He's a, he's a certified gun. If if a team threw a million dollars at him for next year, would you be surprised? Oh, not at all. Especially that team is somebody like the Brisbane Broncos. There's been rumors going around that uh, the Broncos are heavily interested in him and they are looking uh, at a fair bit of cash to give him. Um, Nico Hines, 138 this week, just absolutely brained it. Uh, he had a, a really big minus break even as well. So he went up tons of cash. I think he's at 725K at the moment. He's got a uh, minus 50 break even versus the Broncos this week, the Titans the week after. And then the Warriors the week after that. So to be honest, like he he's a lot of cash, but if you somehow were able to get the cash for him, you're probably going to find that you'd make a fair bit of cash from him if you were to bring him in for the, the next three weeks or over the origin period anyways. Uh, it just depends on what your priorities are. But for me, I'm very, very happy that I jumped on him. I think he's going to be uh, the focal point of the Storm team, especially over this origin period when they have basically their entire spine outside of Jerome Hughes out. Yeah, uh, I had the chance to get him last week. I didn't. Uh, I'm spewing that I didn't. Uh, one man that you're looking at getting in this week, Brendan Smith. Are you worried with with this whole Harry Grant conundrum and maybe him not playing huge minutes during Origin? There's talk that he might come off the bench with Red Money to start or, or like with the injury the injuries that they've got. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, the cheese. It's probably probably one of his better games this year, but it was heavily involved in attacking stats and. If he's going to get those, it's going to be fantastic. But I, I just worry that we saw Brandon Smith play hooker at the start of this year and, and it wasn't lighting the world on fire. I understand that getting him in, he's going to play over the origin period and he's going to fill a hole for you. But I'm just I'm just sort of looking at Harry Green in the wings here and, and a little bit, little bit worried about, uh, about that and, and how you look to get cheese out once the time comes. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a concern. And that's the whole reason why I didn't bring Brendan Smith in to start the season. Uh, I know he was very, very popular at the start of the season. But for me, there was a lot of concern about Harry Grant, not knowing when he was going to come back. Dale Finucane, obviously. But I think uh, now over the origin period, I think Harry Grant's too good to leave out of your origin side. I think Bellamy knows that the Storm are going to be there at the end of the year and doesn't, if he's in the top four, I don't think he really cares where he finishes. Um, so I think you'll probably find that if Harry Grant is picked, even if it is off the bench, I don't think he's going to back up, especially with the amount of injuries he's already had this year. Uh, so I think over this origin period, Brendan Smith's definitely one to look at. Um, somebody that I'm bringing in this week for sure. Obviously, Radley's got to go because he's going to be facing about 46 weeks on the sideline from getting sent off 26 times. Uh, so yeah, look, I just think that bringing in Brendan Smith. Uh, can cover so many different positions. It's so versatile. And again, with that storm uh, spine out for over over the origin period, I think between him and Nico Hines and even Jerome Hughes is another player that I have in my side. I think between those three, they're going to be leading this side around and there's going to be some big, big scores to be had. Yeah, you know, he's been a fantastic cash cow in the last couple of weeks, but just under 20,000 people own Josh Adokar. And this is the problem with Adokar when he doesn't score tries. Uh, very, very low score this week. Only 14, I think, from memory. 
He is 699,500, so just about 700K with a break-even of 146. With Origin coming up, if you did decide to take the plunge on Adokar, now would definitely be the time to sell because unlike a Brian Toto who can get you a 60-odd in base, Adokar is not not that kind of footballer. And uh, yeah, this is the reality of Adokar when he doesn't score tries. Mate, Rabbitohs and the Panthers, I thought this game would be a lot closer than what it was. I know as a a Panthers fan yourself with the news that Dylan Edwards is out, Moses Leota is out. Um, I know that you thought this would be a close competitive game, but the opposite 12 to 56. And I think clearly put on a masterclass again, mate. Um, now the seventh highest score of super coach of all time after backing up with his highest score last week, the Rabbitohs, are they even a top 14, mate? I think they're a top 14. They've got too much talent in that side to not be a top four team. I just think that it sort of got to their head. Uh, I think they've had a lot of injuries. I think players that we expected a lot more from, i.e. somebody like a Damian Cook, just hasn't performed. Um, I know you were big on Latrell yesterday, but him in defense and his positioning yesterday was fucking awful. If you go back and watch that game, have a look at some of the tries, like the the Capewell try. He's literally jogging alongside Capewell, doesn't even attempt to tackle him. It's just, yeah, look, I just, I think there's a bit of a few issues there at the Rabbitohs. Obviously, again, they've had a lot of injuries and a lot of things go on, but um, I just think there's too much talent and the, the the comp isn't as strong as what we think it is. So I think they're going to be a top four team, but I just don't think they're, they're going to go too far in the finals. And I sent you a, uh, a little slip today of the Rabbitohs club ordering 10,000 2021 premiership shirts that cost them $91,000 back in March. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see what they end up doing with those, those shirts because I don't think they're going to be needed this year. Yeah. Uh, look, look, yeah, we know how, how fantastic Latrell is on offense, but defense does leave a little bit to to lead to the eye. The the Jermaine Sarko syndrome of, of being electric in attack, but but woeful in defense. We talk about them being in the top four, mate. There's four teams that are battling out for the two spots left in the top four. Uh, the Parramatta Eels, the Rabbitohs, the Roosters, the Seagulls. I think the Seagulls are very much a chance to, to sneak into the top four. And then it's probably a battle between the Eels, the Rabbitohs and the Roosters and Personally, I'd probably rank them as they are now. I'd, I'd probably have the Eels as the best side out of those three. Then the Rabbitohs the second best and the Roosters the third best with the injuries that they have. So, yeah, Wayne Bennett's going to have to pull a masterstroke, in my opinion, to get him in the top four. And who knows what's going to happen. But did you see the comments today uh, that he left Benji off the bench because he, he didn't want to uh, embarrass him with, with such the poor defensive uh, display that the Rabbitohs were showing? That's twice they've considered 50 points. And if they, uh, if they don't pull their defensive socks up, mate, definitely could see that being uh, another one or two this season. Mate, I reckon he was probably sitting there thinking, fuck our defense sucks. Fuck Benji Marshall sucks at defense. I'm not putting this bloke out there because I don't want to concede 60. Because I reckon if Benji had gone out there, Penrith would have had a field day. Uh, I think they obviously would have been a bit better in attack there if Benji had have come on, but defensively he would have got chopped. Penrith across the park this year. Uh, and I, again, I know I'm a Panthers fan, so it sounds like I'm just sitting here strumming my cock. But the fact is they're just so, so good on both sides of the field this year. They were very left-hand dominated last year. Uh, this year, they just seem to be all over the park. That right-hand side out there that they normally have uh, Crichton and Staines has been absolutely killing it. And then obviously on the other side, bringing Burton into the centers has been a masterstroke by Ivan. Mate, take your um, take your Panthers hat off. I'm going to ask you two questions here. Is this the best footy side we've seen in the last 20 years? No. I think that there's been better sides. I think the Storm produced better sides. I think you look at some of the Storms teams that we've had over the years um, when they did have the, the Cooper Cronk and Billy Slater, Cameron Smith, and you add Greg Inglis and Israel Flair to, to teams like that. I just think, yeah, th- that side is one of the best sides we've ever seen. And uh, Panthers are great, but they're, they're nothing until they win a premiership. Now, the next question I'll put to you, mate, 
the best number 13 in the game right now. And a lot of people are going to say, oh, Tamalolo is the best 13. But if we're looking at a pure lock forward, you and I both know what the definition of that is. It's a fantastic ball player that can roll up the sleeves in the middle. And in my opinion, man, Isaiah Yo is the best lock forward in the game right now. Yeah, I think it's a, a three-horse race, in my opinion. I, I look at Victor Radley and I look at uh, Cam Murray. I like them both a lot. Uh, they both have sort of different elements. While Cam Murray doesn't play, do, do a whole lot of ball playing, um, he sort of the, the way that he marches up the field, the way he is a support player and the way he gets those quick play the balls, it's just so different to so many players in the league. Um, so I like him for that fact. Victor Radley, ball playing, you know, you know what Victor Radley is. Victor Radley is Isaiah Yo before Isaiah Yo. Uh, and now obviously Isaiah Yo, he's just in the right positions all the time. Uh, busts his ass week in, week out. Just keeps his head down, does his hard work doesn't give a shit about getting the spotlight or anything like that because he knows he's in a team full of superstars. But uh, Nathan Cleary owes a lot of his game to, to Isaiah Yo, and he that was, is definitely- that was my that was my exact next point, mate. Like a lot of this, a lot of this praise is going to go to the six and seven, but I think Isaiah Yo makes Nathan Cleary's job a whole lot fucking easier because Isaiah Yo, because Isaiah Yo can just get the ball on Cleary's chest at outside of his first defender every time. Like Cleary can send fifteen meters deep, and and he knows Isaiah Yo is just going to put it on the spot there. And, and for me, I think it just, it helps so much. And he links the, the sides of the field so quickly. While, while you were talking about, I just want to plot some statistics um, while you were stalling for time. Through 11 games, mate, the Penrith Panthers have scored 33 points a game and conceded 7.6 points. They're conceding less than eight points a game uh, through 11 games. That, that is simply fucking phenomenal. Oh, absolutely. And dude, being a Panthers fan and having to sit here like year in, year out and just watch the same shit that they produced, having players that were just toxic and oh, just the club from head to toe was in shambles from a good period of time there and seeing where they're at at the moment, watching their junior clubs, like you, you look at the new South Wales cup team, the Jersey flag team. I don't think either of those sides have lost a game this year either, which is in, like an incredible stat. And it's just, it, it looks like a club where they've turned themselves into the mold of the Melbourne storm. There's an expectation. There's a culture. Uh, there's a, a sort of a family feel about everybody involved in the club. And uh, it's really, really enjoyable to watch, to be honest. I, I've, yeah. I know the game, to be honest, I, I know the game has uh, been affected over the last couple of years, obviously COVID no, not too many crowds last year and crowds cut in half. And then this year, the rule changes and, bit of head scratching going on with with the rule changes but uh it's been a very very enjoyable last 24 months or so being a panthers fan that's for sure i just want to read off um so we know the penrith panthers they they turned things around last year i found their 2019 round one game against the Parramatta <laughs> eels the Panthers went down 12 to 20 against the Parramatta Eels in 2019. This was their lineup. Now Dylan, Dylan Ed was at fullback. He's still there. Josh Mansour on one wing and Dallin Wattenny Zelezniak on the other. The centers are Dean Fare and Wunga Blake. The halves are Maloney and Cleary. The forwards are Tarmau, Egan, Leota. The back row is Harm Sele and Isaiah Yo. And the third end is James Fisher-Harris with RCG, Jack Hetherington, Tyrell Fuimayona and Jerome Luay on the bench. Mate, what a change. Uh, you just look at those, look at that set of Perry Dean Fare and Wunga Blake. I think that uh, that says it all about the, the transformation and and how well that uh, certain rookies broke onto the scene. You got Jerome Luai on the bench who who turned into a superstar overnight, basically. And uh, re- look, you, you've you've done some deadwood in Tyrell Fumayona, Jack Hetherington, Regan Campbell, Gillard, Harm Sele, uh, James Tarmel, Wade Zed, Egan, Walker Blake. Yeah, like look, Jimmy Maloney is probably the biggest downgrade. I still think. Um, Jerome Luai is a bit of an upgrade on Maloney. I think Maloney is a better footballer, but Luai complements the team better. But it just shows the overhaul and how quickly teams can do it. And there should be no excuses for other teams. And especially a club like the Tigers, mate, who have, I would argue, a better junior system than the Panthers. 
it just shows you that if you if you ret- uh, have retention for your players and you put time and effort in the juniors, it shows you how quickly the sides can can turn around. Oh, for sure. You need a coach and I guess a system in place who aren't scared to change things up. Ivan came in obviously 2019. I think might've been round 10. We versed the, uh, the Warriors and we went down 30 to 10 at home, which is fucking embarrassing. But uh, after that game, DWZ was gone. RCG was gone. Walker Blake was gone. We just, there was rumors going around that there was just too much toxicity in the locker room and amongst the players. So Ivan identified who those players were, shipped them on and basically got all of them, like their contracts taken and the lot of the contract taken by the team that took them as well. So we cleared up a lot of cash uh, and then you saw people like Brian To'o come in. Brian To'o obviously took DWZ spot. Uh, Dean Fare, he, to be honest, there was more to, more so to do with injury. But then Naden came in. Uh, we obviously saw Jerome Luai get given that chance. And uh, you, you're dead right about James Maloney and Cleary. They just they didn't coexist real well. Um, I said it for years when we had James Maloney and Cleary that it needs to be one or the other. Both of them couldn't exist on the same, like together. And as soon as they got rid of Maloney and brought in, Luai gave the keys to clear. It's just been up and up since then. You have a fantastic memory, my friend, because round 10, they went down to the Warriors. Round 11 came in. Brian Toto is now in. Jerome Luai is now in. Uh, the greatest hooker of all time. Sonny Katoa is also playing nine. Tim Grant, <laughs> Tim Grant's playing 10. William Kikau and Frank Winterstein. Jesus, there's some rogue names happening here, mate. But yeah, just looking at the two teams, it, it, it's a big overhaul and it may not be the final product, but it's definitely in the right direction. And, and just goes to show you how quickly that teams can build the success um, overnight. Mate, we touched on Nathan Cleary and James Money as to how well they probably didn't coexist. Both great footballers on their own, but being the dominant halfback he is now uh, and the scores he's put up over the last couple of weeks, Nathan Cleary has to be in the in the breath of, as we've held guys like Corey Parker and Paul Gallen and, and Jonathan Thurston as, as the top tier super coach. Uh, goats and definitely, mate. I think Nathan Cleary is cementing himself as uh, by far and away the most valuable player for Supercoach this year. You can give me your turbos, you can give me your Pappenhausens, but they're in positions that are so stacked. Cleary is standing at head and shoulders above the rest in a position uh, that is very, very barren. And it's it's baffling that he is only owned by 60% of teams. Um, that's 40% of guys missing out on on some all-time scores. And as a Panthers fan, it must be very refreshing to see your, t- your side succeed. Oh, and not, not only that, but the fact is Nate's only, what, 23, 24. It's disgusting. Uh, it's disgusting how, how good you can be at that age. Oh, for sure. And his goal kicking, to be honest, has probably gone backwards since last year. He was, fuck it. He's still a good goal kicker, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's a bad goal kicker, but some of the goals he misses now, he wouldn't have missed the last two years. Like, he was a sharpshooter, like, the last couple of years. And uh, it might be to the fact that he's just a bit sort of worn down. It could do to be... Uh, could be due to the fact that he had that ankle injury what a year or two ago and he's never really sort of kicked the same since then but uh if he can sort of refine that goal kicking form that he was in when he first came into the league those points are just going to keep going up and up and the next couple of years if he's not the first person you pick in your super coach team uh you might as well delete the app from the get-go i am i'm one of the biggest Penrith haters out there but even i can take my hat off as to how how well this side's playing and how good the organization is together it's I've said, I said to you in private messages, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in two years' time when everyone wants big money and, and, and the Panthers are going to have to choose who they keep and who they don't. So, uh, well, Welcome yeah. to now. <laughs> don't have to wait two years. Welcome to now. Have a look at some of the contracts they've signed. Fisher-Harris is looking at getting a million a year from Penrith. That's I think, a, that I think that's, that's, yeah. Look, Fisher-Harris is great, but I would never be paying 
even if even if 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 I found out that Payne Haas would then talk to the Tigers for a million bucks a year, I wouldn't be taking it. I think that there's better ways to spend your money. You've got more important guys in your side, especially after letting Burton go. I think you need to lock down Luai. Um, I think you need to lock down Dylan, Dylan Edwards as well. Probably not for huge money, but definitely half a million a year. I'd, I'd be taking Dylan Edwards for. I think he's key. I, I don't agree with the Stephen Crichton signing. I understand how good he is, but for three quarters of a million, I think that could be better spent. But yeah, Viliami Kikau's off contract as well in a couple of years. Uh, Brian Toto is going to want an extension as well. So all the key guys on that side, uh, the Panthers are going to have to have to juggle, but we know how well their juniors are. Uh, you touched on how well their SC, SG ball and Jersey flag sides are and, and their regs as well. So it's going to be interesting to see as, as the Panthers head office moves forward. But right now, you live in the moment, mate, because I think you're a genuine chance at a premiership. Uh, two sides that probably are also in contention for premierships, one more so than others. Uh, Manly and Parramatta, Manly were $3 head to head. I don't know how they were. I think that was the better of the week in my opinion. And it, it paid dividends. Manly uh, played fantastic. Uh, I think it's only fitting that Bozo uh, passed away the, the morning of a Manly game. And a, a lot of the, the spotlight was on him and, and such a great career that, that Bob Fulton had. And uh, it, it almost like Manly uh, rivaled around that and played fantastic footy. Uh, DCE, uh, Josh Schuster in the halves, they, they looked really good. Ruben Garrick on the wing uh, has been sensational. Jason Saab didn't bag any meat pies, but he's just doing a job week in, week out. Morgan Harper and Hank Scorpio, they're, they're also just complimenting each other very well on opposite sides of the field. This Manly side's humming, mate. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, you touched on the fact that Manly were paying $3. My bank account is so dry, like so disgustingly dry. It's now, three times, who... it's, it's now three times more thanks to Manly, mate. I was going to say, like, the fact that I went and put a bet on and my bank account looks like the Sahara Desert should tell you how confident I were that Manly were going to win this game. They looked really, really good. Uh, I thought Ruben Garrick was terrific. He has leaps and bounds, mate, leaps and bounds over the last couple of years. I know Tom Travojevic comes in and he gives everybody confidence, but uh, some of some of the things he did yesterday were incredible. Uh, it made Brad Parker, a.k.a. Hank Scorpio, look like an absolute genius as well. Uh, he had a really good game too. I, I know I was giving him shit and saying that he's a very, very average player, but when you've just got guns all around you, especially on your left and your right, and Tom Travojevic and Garrick, uh, only special things are going to happen for you. So uh, lucky for old Hank, he has those two there. But uh, for Eels, I thought, look, I, I've always, I'm always somebody who's going to shit on the Eels because I just, being a Panthers fan, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the Eels. Like I just, I'm not, and I'm going to put my hand up and tell you that, but yeah, look, I, at the start of the year, I didn't think they were going to make the eight. Obviously they're going to make the eight, but for me, I don't think they're going to make the four. Like, I don't think that they're a top four team out of the, the teams that are there. I know they beat the storm what in round two, but there was the shittest conditions of all time. Um, I look at Manly and Manly just dominated them. Like they had two or three sin bins throughout the game and still went out there and just put it on them. Um, yeah, Eels are in shambles. And I think that this game is really going to hit their confidence. Uh, and it's very similar to the same the time last year when the Eels sort of fell off as well. They were humming for the first, what, 10 rounds or so. Uh, and then they had that loss. And then for the rest of the year, just went to absolute shit. So it's Mate, definitely something to keep an eye on. You, you touched on that. You touched on that win against the Storm. I think that's so key. Like Parramatta are going to be one of the best grind out sides because they're, they're a phenomenal side on paper, but you look at the top six. So we've got the Panthers. They've got big X factor players in Luai and Cleary who can just break a game open. You've got the storm with Pappenhausen and Munster, even Hughes to an extent can take a game with a scruff of the neck. You look at the Rabbitohs, you've got Latrell, Cody Walker, when they're humming, they're unstoppable. The Roosters have Teddy, the Seagulls have Turbo. Parramatta have one of the best well-rounded sides, mate, but who was the genuine game breaker in their side? Like that's, I think this is a problem. And that's why they played so well against the Storm in those horrible conditions, because they're such a good quality footy side that can just grind out a win. But when they're down by 12 points with 10 to go, I don't see anyone in that Parramatta side really um, just taking the game on and winning it. Like Mitch Moses is a good half. 
Gutho's a good footballer, but then they're not exciting and they're not going to really rip a game apart, are they? No, for sure. And their entire team is filled with confidence players, like players that when they're confident, they are like top tier players. And when they're down in confidence, they're fucking awful. RCG and Walker Blake as a Panthers fan, I can guarantee you like that, that is them to a T. Uh, Mitchell Moses, exactly the same. Gutho, I think is the same. Although Gutho does try very, very hard. Um, he's just a player who needs to be confident. He needs everybody around him to be confident. And I really worry for the Eels because being at home yesterday, uh, being heavy favourites yesterday, I think that they're going to take a, f- a fair bit of a hit in their confidence after this game for sure. Yeah, mate. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens moving forward. It's going to be also very interesting to see what happens tomorrow night at the judiciary. Uh, mate, thank you very much for your time once again. Uh, it's been a pleasure. We'll get you back on Wednesday. We'll break down all the things NRL uh, on Wednesday. We'll preview the games, hopefully find uh, some more value, such as Manly $3, which I still can't believe. Uh, but for now, keep your friends close, keep your pods closer, and thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.